Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor at Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, or the PCA, here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Here at Christ Church Conway, our vision is to be a community of people whose hope is set wholly in Jesus Christ and are each equipped to work for building up the body of Christ in love until we attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God. This, of course, comes from Ephesians chapter 4 and summarizes really what we're about here. The question then is, how do we do this? How do we build each other up in that way? Well, that's where church and getting together and this podcast and things like this come into play because it's through the proper administration of the means of grace, word, prayer, and sacrament in the context of Christian fellowship that this happens. This is why we at The Daily Devotion devote ourselves to the study of scripture and theology. Today is Westminster Wednesday and we're diving back into the Westminster Confession of Faith, again following a book by a guy named Chad Van Dixhorn called Confessing the Faith, A Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's a very helpful kind of commentary and explanation on the Westminster Confession of Faith, probably the best out there. Dr. Van Dixhorn is a world-renowned scholar on the Westminster Assembly. He has edited the minutes of the Westminster Assembly. He has dived as deeply as you can into the confession and what it's about and what the point is and what they were trying to accomplish in doing it. And it's produced a very accessible and helpful commentary. So today in this section, he links chapters 1, paragraph 2, and 3 together. You'll see why. I'll, I'll read them. Uh, not in total, and you'll see why for that as well in just a second, but I'll read these two sections and then make a few comments. Under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, which are these. And then he lists the 66 books that are found in our English Bibles. I'll skip that list. All which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. Paragraph 3, the books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of Scripture, and therefore are of no authority in the church of God, nor to be any otherwise approved or made use of than other human writings. Fathers, we take time to think about your word and the, the doctrine of your word and try to understand what exactly it is and what it is that we believe about it. Would you give us wisdom? By your spirit, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you heard our vision statement earlier, uh, you noted that I said this is from Ephesians 4. Why, why do we draw our vision statement and indeed our mission and purpose statement, all of these things, why do we so intently focus on God's word here at Christ Church Conway and at the Daily Devotion? Well, it's because as we read in this section and in this entire chapter, Scripture, what we understand, what we know to be Scripture, these 66 books that we have in our canon, this is the only thing that we can say is the Word of God. It's not the only place He's revealed Himself. We saw that last week in the first paragraph that He has made Himself known in creation. But it is the Bible, these 66 books of the Old and New Testament, beginning with Genesis, running through the Revelation of John, it is these 66 books that the, the confession reminds us 
It is only these 66 books that we can say are the word of God written. And the confession explains what a little bit of that means. That means they are given by inspiration of God. We remember the passage, hopefully, likely, from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where we read this biblical statement about Scripture. I'll begin in verse 14. Paul's writing to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The confession there in the second paragraph, talking about the inspiration of God, picks up on this language of 1 Timothy. That this, the, the Word of God, the Scripture, is breathed out by God. It, it is inspired by Him. It is His words that have come through these human authors who were led by the Holy Spirit as we read in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, these words being God's words, the confession finishes this paragraph reminding us that these and these words alone are to be the rule of faith and life. So this raises a question. Why then bother with Westminster Wednesday? Why bother looking at a confession of faith or reading theology or, or reading any you know, commentaries or anything else? Why not just stick to Scripture? Well, if you were going to limit your diet to one particular thing, you could do no better than to limit it to Scripture, to be quite sure. However, when we look at the confession of faith and we ask the question, why bother with Westminster Wednesday? Why bother with having a confession of faith? Why not just go the, the old route, no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible? Well, that in itself is actually a confession of faith. And so we've got to be careful with what we do with that. When we say that Scripture is to be the rule of faith in life, that it's to be the only rule of faith in life, what do we mean exactly? Well, it means that if we are to define sin, if we are to define the gospel, if we are to understand who God is, the base authority is the Bible and nothing else. It's the Bible and the Bible alone. Scripture alone, this was one of the five solas of the Reformation. So again, then, why bother with the confession? Well, because the confession does provide we believe, a faithful summary of what Scripture teaches. We don't put it in the place of Scripture. In fact, in the PCA, our Constitution is made up of the Westminster Confession of Faith with the larger and shorter catechisms and another document called the Book of Church Order. That's our Constitution. You'll notice Scripture isn't part of the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America. Why is that? It's for this reason. When the Constitution is found to be out of accord with Scripture, it can be changed. In other words, the Constitution has as its base Holy Scripture, these words of God, this inspired word of God that is to be the rule of faith and life. And so, if as we study God's word, we look at the Confession or the Book of Church Order and say, wait a minute, 
this isn't right. It can be changed. The Word of God that undergirds this summary of its teaching can't be changed. So the reason we look at the Confession of Faith is because we do believe it is a faithful summary of what Scripture teaches. We don't replace Scripture with the Confession. This is why six days a week we're looking at the Bible, going through 1 Peter and then on Sundays posting our sermons which come from Scripture. And one day a week we look at this document that summarizes what Scripture teaches. It's valuable to have systematic theologies, to have confessions of faith, because they help us grapple with and wrestle with what it is that these 66 books that we say are inspired contain and teach. It helps us understand how it is that we're to read them. And in our confession itself, it reminds us that the rule of faith in life is Scripture. Chad Van Dixon has a very helpful statement He says, it is for this reason that the whole Bible should be read frequently by all Christians and should be at the center of the Christian church. Those who ignore the Holy Scripture are doomed to stumble into ever-deepening darkness. Those who embrace this Scripture, believe what it promises, and walk by its precepts will never be without a guide or a light, and they will find their way to their Father's home. In other words, to put this in the context of our recent sermon series on the parable of the sower, They will be good soil. Those who continually hear the word of God, coming back to it, hearing it again and again, accepting it, they will be good soil. They will bear fruit. They will find their way to their father's home. The confession itself makes that statement about scripture when it tells us that it is to be the only rule for faith and life for the Christian. The third paragraph of the confession reminds us that there's a definite canon and that while in years past at different times people have sought to add books to it commonly referred to as the apocrypha they are not of divine inspiration they are not inspired by god and therefore they are not the rule of faith and life rather they are to be used like we would any other christian writing Any other ancient writing that we come across, whether that be Tertullian or Augustine or Athanasius or whoever it might be, or even modern writings, perhaps Michael Horton or Louis Burkhoff or John Piper or or whoever our favorite author might be, none of these writings, no matter how orthodox we think they may be, none of these writings stand in the place of Scripture. None of these writings are the rule of faith and life. All of them are the interpretation of man of Scripture and therefore are still subject to Scripture. This is the confession's point when it talks about the Apocrypha. The reason it singles out the Apocrypha here is because people had sought to actually add that to Scripture and publish it with Scripture as part of Scripture. And some traditions, particularly the Roman Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox churches, they accept the Apocrypha. In the Protestant church, we don't. We say, no, it doesn't. It's it's not inspired. It doesn't meet the mark. It doesn't measure up. It's not rightly part of the canon of Scripture. That's not to mean that it's evil and demonic and to be thrown out. 
but it is to recognize that it's not inspired. See, if we want to know the Word of God, if we want to understand how to pattern our lives, how to structure our lives, what our faith contains, the confession reminds us we must return again and again and again to the Word of God, to these 66 books that we have in our English Bibles, and we can trust them as the inspired Word of God. And we can read them, and we will be strengthened. Amen.